Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So I want to do a bit of review on this topic of anger. We are nearing the end of our teaching series called Good and Angry. And I think it would be helpful just to remember some things. That anger is not a sin. Anger is an emotion. But it's a very volatile emotion. And if we're not careful, it can lead to sin. But, but anger is just an emotion. It's our unfairness emotion. It tells us, it cues us in that something is wrong with the world that needs to change. So I've developed just a, a list of questions to ask yourself when you get angry so that your anger does not lead you to sin. First question is this, that whatever's making me angry, is this about me or is this something that really matters? In other words, is this just an inconvenience or is this a legitimate injustice? There's a difference between driving behind a bad driver and driving behind a drunk driver, okay? And we should only get mad or angry about those things that really matter. Second question, is this just about me or does this really matter? Second question is, am I using my anger as a tool or as a weapon? So often we use our anger in ways that are destructive, but God has given us this emotion so that we see change needs to happen and so we create that change. So let me encourage you, we should always attack problems and not, attra- not attack people. In fact, if we're attacking people and tearing them down, that anger does not reflect the love of Christ and is not fit for a Christ follower. Third question is this, and it's based off a quote by Paulo Coelho, probably my favorite quote of all time. The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. So in your anger, are you willing to offer your example? You're willing to get in there and get your hands dirty and make a difference? Or are you just spouting off your opinion? In fact, here's an interesting spiritual discipline. What if this next week you didn't offer anyone your opinion unless you are directly asked? Well, there goes most of your social media life. And so am I just not willing to to spout off? Am I willing just to give more than my opinion? Am I willing to offer my example to make things better? So here's a challenge that we face. How do we, as Jesus followers, how do we not be angry all the time in a world that's increasingly evil? How do we not give in to that temptation? I read this week of Howard Hughes, the famous aviator. In April 1944, he flew from California to D.C. in a Lockheed Constellation, and he picked up a very special passenger, Orville Wright one of the two men responsible for inventing powered flight. And Howard Hughes took Orville Wright on his last airplane ride. Now what's interesting is that the Lockheed Constellation, the wingspan of that plane is 206 feet, which is six feet longer than the Wright's brothers' first flight. The wingspan was longer than that first powered flight only 40 years earlier. It's interesting how we can make so many advances in our world but it still seems that we are surrounded by evil, evil around us and evil inside of us. And how do we make sure that the evil in the world does not cause us to be constantly angry? So when I plan a teaching series, 
I don't know, I probably planned this teaching series about a year ago. Uh, as we got closer to this, it became more and more relevant. So I, I planned things about a year out, even down to what passages of Scripture we'll look at. And I planned for today for us all to read and study from Ephesians 4, and it says, in your anger do not sin. And Paul gives some great guidance on how to be angry and, and not sin. But at the last minute, and our community groups are still going to be studying that passage, but at the last minute I changed because I stumbled across in my regular reading a psalm in the Older Testament that really does address this very thing. How do we make sure that the evil that is so evident in our world, how do we make sure we don't allow that to have us become people that are angry all the time? I'm not stating that very well, but I think you know what I mean. We don't want to let the evil in the world make us angry all the time. So this is Psalm 37. It starts this way. Do not fret because of those who are evil. Do not be envious of those who do wrong. I like another translation that says, don't worry because the world is wicked and don't envy those who are evil. And then it says this, for like the grass, they will soon wither and like the green plants, they will soon die away. This is an illustration made for Oklahoma. As I speak, uh, the weather's cooling down just a bit, but we've just endured a really hot summer. And I know that there were times in the summer in Tulsa this year when my fescue grass, no matter how much water I put on it, it was 108 degrees. It was going to get brown. It was going to die. Okay, and, and lately the rain has brought it back a little bit, right? But even during the hottest part of summer, I look over at a crack, a crevice in my driveway, and there's green lush grass growing out of this thing. I have to trim it. I have to cut it back every week. I don't water a drop of that, but still it's, it's coming up green. Why is this grass dying and this grass over here in the crack, why is it growing? So what the psalmist invites us to do is to see the big picture to say, you know what? Eventually, those who are wicked are going to be like that, that grass, they're going to turn brown, they're going to die, they're going to fade away. I asked somebody once about that grass that grows in the crevice of the driveway, and he says, you might not know this, but moisture gets underneath that slab, and because it doesn't evaporate, it has no other place to go. And so that, that grass growing in the crack of the sidewalk or in the driveway, it's fed by this invisible source of moisture. It's, it's almost consistent, right? So that's what happened. The people who look like they've got everything in the world but are evil, they're going to dry up and blow away. But those who follow God, and oftentimes we're planted in the hard places in life, sometimes it's very difficult to do God's will. We're planted in the cracks, right? But we have a secret source that always feeds us, God's Word and God's Spirit. So the psalmist invites us to take a big picture look. Hey, don't worry about the wicked. Don't envy those who are evil. So you probably don't know the name Pierre de Fermat. He was a big mathematician back in the 1600s, and he's reading a book one night, and he uh, he, he writes in the margin. He said, I have I've found a proof, and he, he talks about the certain math problem. Doesn't make any sense to me. It might make sense to you, but it doesn't me. But he says, I found a proof for this particular math problem, but the margin is so narrow here, I don't have a chance to, to write it. And, and so scientists, mathematicians, for 400 years, it's called Fermat's Last Theorem, they were trying to figure out this proof that he mentioned 
but he didn't have room to write down. And it took 400 years for mathematicians to come up with that proof because there wasn't enough room and Fermat just, just didn't think to write it down. You know what the psalm writer does? He's about to give us a formula. He's about to give us not so much steps or strategy, but he's about to give us insight for how not to become angry at an evil world. And instead of writing it in the margin, this is not marginalia. He writes it bold in this psalm. And so listen to these next few verses. These are steps that we can take. These are insights that we can embrace to make sure that the evil of the world does not cause us to become angry. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. What does it mean, really, to trust in the Lord? I want to connect that phrase with what it says right after that. Trust in the Lord and do good. What you believe will not be expressed to me by what you say. What you really believe will come out in your behavior. And so if we say we trust the Lord, what we mean is that we're going to live our lives the way God says to live our lives. And so it's easy to obsess about all the evil that's happening in the world, but instead of focusing on the evil, we should focus on the good and doing that in our own lives because that's the only person we can truly affect. If you don't want to be overcome by all the evil in the world and become an angry person, trust in the Lord and do good. That even if other people are taking the shortcuts, you take the long way. That even if someone says, well, everyone else is doing this, well, you know, I won't do this because I'm going to be accountable to the Lord one day. Well, you need this to get ahead. Well, you know what? I might fall behind, but at least I'll be living in a right relationship with the Lord. Where the rest of the world goes with compromise, you follow conviction. Could I encourage you with some very simple things? Or maybe I should ask it in a question. What's part of God's commands? What part of God's commands are you not trusting today that you need to start living? Maybe I'd encourage you to read through the Ten Commandments. If I trust in the Lord, I will do good. I will do these things. Maybe I should encourage you to read through the message on the mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, just to read through the teachings of Jesus. If you trust in the Lord and you want to do good, what, what part of these commandments am I not obeying? And I need to trust God a little bit more and start living this out. Not living according to compromise, but living according to conviction. It was Christopher Wren, famed architect and builder from centuries ago. He, he built some of the greatest cathedrals and structures in Europe. He also built a great city hall, and the beams were so wide across that the city fathers said, those beams are not going to hold up. We need more columns here. And Christopher Wren said, no, we don't. The city fathers said, yes, we do. So Christopher Wren added columns, but it was only in recent years when people went up to investigate the architecture that they noticed that these columns that Christopher Wren added against his better judgment didn't actually go all the way up to the beams. They stopped short. The optical illusion was they went all the way to the top, but he left a gap. In other words, the only thing those columns supported was Christopher Wren's conviction that they were not needed. So to live lives of conviction, I trust in the Lord that's going to come out in my behavior. I will do good. You know what? There's plenty of evil in the world. We're to trust the Lord and to be different. Then he says in verse 4, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. 
So if we want to be people who are not always angry at the evil in the world, we need to trust in the Lord and do good. Uh, we focus on, on doing what's right. We also take the light in the Lord, and we focus on the goodness of God. So let me ask you today, is there something right now that you can take delight in the Lord about? I'm not stating that great. I use way too many prepositions in that, but you get the idea. What delights you about the Lord? Here's one for me today. Uh, a frog's body is one-third, excuse me, a frog's tongue is one-third the length of its body. So if you were to have a human with a tongue on that scale, our tongue would reach all the way down to our belly button. That creates quite a picture, doesn't it? I guess we wouldn't have to worry about belly button lint too much anymore. Just, I should stop right now, shouldn't I? Do you realize our tongues, our mouths, reach all the way to heaven? We can say a word to God right here, and it reaches His ears. Our mouths, our tongue, reaches all the way to the ears and the heart of the Father. We should delight that God listens to us as His children. Now, we have to be careful here because it, it says, you know, delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of His heart. We often misapply that. Well, God will give me anything I, I want. But if we delight in the Lord, what we want is Him. And so, as we delight in Him, we can have as much of God as we want. You see where I'm going with all this? That we can focus on all the evil in the world or we can focus on doing good and focus on the fact that God is good. And we don't always have to live a life of anger even in an evil world. So verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. In other words, when we get up every day, we ask God to fill us with His Holy Spirit, we commit our way to Him, we are not living just by random luck or random unluckiness. We live under the care and the protection and the provision of God. Somebody who I really need to read up a little bit more on is a woman named Violet Jessup. She lived about a century ago. Uh, she was in a, during the First World War, she was on a hospital vessel, the Olympian, and it was struck by a mine and it sunk, but she survived that sinking. Then a little bit later in the war, she was on the Britannica and it collided with another warship and it sunk and she survived that as well. So two ships, two sinkings, two survivals, and then she just happened to get on a boat called the Titanic. It too sunk. But you know, before she went to the rescue vessel, you know what she did? She went back to her stateroom and got her toothbrush because she remembered that on the previous rescue vessels that, that there were no extra toothbrushes and she really missed having her toothbrush. So she went back and she survived the Titanic as well. And you think, it, it just seemed to be that she knew that she was going to survive. Listen, as followers of Jesus, we need to drill it down deep into our soul God's going to take care of us. No matter what happens in this life or how our life ends, we know that our life is under the protection of God. We commit our ways to Him, and I often say it, if God were to look you right in the eye, He would say, I've got you. I've got you. We commit our way to Him. 
So even if there's a lot of evil around us in the world, guess what? It doesn't have the final say about our destiny. Only Christ does. Only God does. And then verse 7, trust in the Lord, take delight in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out wicked schemes. Be still. So I want you to think for just a minute, and and we're going to come to the word anger here in just a moment, but how did you learn how to be angry? Well, it was modeled for you. In fact, most of you probably get angry the way your parents got angry because it was modeled for you. They set an example. But then you also learned the way however you act when you get angry. You also learned it by practice, lots and lots of practice. And so here we're invited to embrace a new discipline that when we feel that anger coming up, instead of lashing out, we be silent, we stop. And I would encourage you to ask two questions. What am I really feeling right now? Because anger is often a secondary emotion. When we think we're angry, what we really are is sometimes we're sad, um, sometimes we're scared, sometimes we're stressed, sometimes it's all three, right? So be still and ask the question, what am I really feeling? And then be still and ask the question, what's really happening here? Because so often we get angry at the surface things, and we need to look below the level of that and say, what is God doing here? To be still, to be silent. One Harvard statistic says that a good leader in an organization should be quiet 65% of the time. Speak only, you know, 35% of the time, but listen. And I wonder if so many things that make us angry about an evil world, that if we would not have greater insight if we closed our mouths, if we were still before God, said, God, what am I feeling? What's really happening here? What do you want me to do? And instead of reacting, we act. So, you see where this psalm goes? Don't worry about the wicked. Don't envy those who are evil. Trust in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. And look in verse 8. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, and those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Refrain from anger. Now, I've told you many times before, a key to biblical interpretation is looking for words and phrases that repeat themselves because that's usually what the writer, what the author, and what God is trying to drive home. Well, you see in verse 3, dwell in the land. Verse 9, you'll inherit the land. Verse 11, inherit the land. It's the idea that the wicked, they're like grass. They literally will dry up and blow away and be forgotten. But you, if you trust in the Lord and commit your way to the Lord, if you're still before the Lord, you'll be grounded. You'll be rooted. In fact, Jesus put it like this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That word meek is often misunderstood. Actually, that's a Greek word that was used in horse training 
that when a horse was wild, you know, and it needed to be tamed, once it learned how to obey the hand and the bridle of the master, then that horse was said to be meek. And the horse wasn't weak, just its strength was channeled in the right direction. We are called to be meek, that our strength is channeled properly. And if we can do that, instead of being angry, if we can be meek, have a harnessed strength, then the whole world can be ours. And all of God can be ours. I love the idea that on one level we are called to live for God. I hope you're at a place in your life where you live for God. But then to take that a little deeper and to go, you know, I want to live with God every day. But then to even take that a little bit deeper to say, I will live in God. And you get to that point, the world will be yours. So there's a a thought, there's a story. It's it's actually not true, but I like to think that it's true. J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he was giving a speech in 1955, and this is kind of an urban legend, but he said, here's the most beautiful combination of words in the world. And it's, it's called uh, a phonesthetically beautiful phrase, that it just sounds beautiful. Now, Tolkien, he may have said this, but he wasn't the first to say it. He said, the most beautiful combination of words is, regardless of meaning, the most beautiful combination of words is cellar door. He said, that's the most beautiful combination of words in the world that phonesthetically it's pleasing. Some of you right now are wondering where I'm going with the story. I have no idea. I'm just kidding. I think the most beautiful combination of words is this, that we be people of peace, not people who are angry, but people who are at peace with God. Because we're at peace with God, we're at peace with ourselves, and because we're at peace with ourselves, we are at peace with others, people of peace. Father, help us to not always be angry. It is easy to become that. That's the default setting of our personality, it seems. But you have called us to trust in you to do, and do good, to delight in you and to know you're good, to commit our way to you, and to be silent before you, and to realize that always being angry will only lead to more evil. You have called us to be people of peace who live for you, and with you, and in you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.